coming out and being with us tonight. He and our brother Larry Paget. They came last year, and we were fortunate and blessed to have him speak on our summer series last year. And he agreed to uh, come again this year. And and really, what I have to do is just give him a date and a topic, and then not call him again for several months, and just tell him that he's on the schedule because he tries to get out of it every time I talk to him. But uh, we're thankful that he is with us tonight. I learned a lot from Joe Masters. He taught me how to make a living in this world, and he taught me how to have Bible studies with people, and I haven't forgotten that. And uh, he's been a blessing to me and to my family, to my girls. He and his good wife, Brenda, she couldn't be here tonight, but we love her as well. And uh, we're thankful to uh, the Masters family. They've uh, treated us like we're part of their family, and they always have. And uh, we are surely thankful for that, and the Lord's Church has benefited because of the great work and the hard work that Brother Joe Masters has done over the last 40 years and more. And so we're thankful for him coming to being with us tonight. Tonight his topic is, I am blessed because I am pure in heart as we continue our study of living the, uh, living the Beatitudes. Come speak to us, brother. Anyway, it is a joy to be here, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Rick didn't have to do a lot of persuading this time. Uh, I was just sort of nervous last time about coming down and everything, but uh, Ricky uh, sort of built me up a little bit there too much, I think, because anyway, I, I've known him since he was just a little fellow. Skinny. You, can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, and uh, everything. <laughs> Matter of fact, Rick uh, started, uh, he was helping me in the body shop years ago when he was just, uh, I don't know, 16, 15, 16. And uh, I got paid on Monday, and we would go to the Kroger's every Monday. I'd get paid, and we'd take, take, go to Kroger, and Rick would go with me to the shops. And uh, some people got think, got think he's my boy, my son. They said, that's your son? And I said, no, he's not my son. But anyway, he would help me shop and, and uh, everything. He's he's a good one. We, we love the whole family. I'm sure, I know you do too. Uh, they're like, the kids are like grandchildren to us, and Rick and Nicole are like our children, really. Just wonderful people. Now, you're, you're very lucky to have them. When I, from what I hear, he, he's very lucky to have you uh, as a church here. Um, I am blessed because I am pure in heart. One of the uh, Beatitudes that Jesus gave us, and Jesus said in this Verse, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8. He said that um, if you want to see God, then you've got to be pure in heart. That's simple. If you're not pure in heart, you will not see God. And so we need to think about that. Uh, and I hope that every one of us want to see God. I'm sure everyone in this building want to see Him someday, want to be with Him in heaven and Spend eternity, be, I said spend eternity, be in eternity with him. That, that, we're, we're so used to saying, you know, spending time with people, but we, there'll be no more time. We'll, we'll be there forever, never ending. And so there are so many people, though, in the world who seem to not want to be with God by the way they live and by the things they teach and, and, 
And uh, just by the actions that we see coming forth from them, they don't really seem to want to be with God. They don't. They obviously do not believe what God has told us. And so we're going to look at some things. He said that you, you've got to be pure in heart. Now, what is the heart that Jesus is talking about here that must be pure? I'm going to put my glasses on. Uh, obviously, he's not talking about the physical heart. You know, you see people say, I, I wouldn't... Uh, what I feel in my heart is so important, you know, I wouldn't take anything for what I feel in my heart. And they put their hand there. That's not what he's talking about. Not the physical heart. Matter of fact, God is much more concerned about our spiritual being than the physical. He wants, our, he wants us to have good health physically. He wants us to follow good health laws. And he wants us to eat properly and exercise, not abuse ourselves. But he's more concerned with the part that will live in eternity. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who we're to fear. That's God, our Father in heaven. So Jesus is referring to the part of man that thinks. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he, in Proverbs 23, verse 7. He talks about, in Matthew 9, verse 4, he says, Wherefore think ye evil in your heart? So, so he's talking about the part of man that can think good thoughts or bad thoughts. And he's thinking about the part of man that can uh, figure out things, determine things. Uh, the part of man that loves or hates. Of course, he wants, uh, he wants this heart to be a loving heart. You remember Matthew chapter 22 when these people approached Jesus and he said, uh, "What Master, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And uh, he says also, the, the, the second is likened to it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so this heart, he's talking about, can love. And uh, also, this heart that he's talking about makes determinations. It, just, it, it, it wills things. We decide what we want to do, whether it be good or evil. We, we determine that in our hearts. And also, this heart reasons. And it believes in Romans 10, verse 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And also, this heart that he's talking about is a heart that understands and can understand things. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, he said, for this people's heart is waxed gross, it's calloused. He says, and their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, notice that, understand with their heart, and should be converted and I should heal them. And so we can see from this that the heart can understand, the heart can be calloused though. 
And God does not allow a calloused heart. We can't see God with a calloused heart. And uh, this heart that he's talking about basically is the control center for our humanity. All the things that come out from our mouths, all the things that come from, all the thoughts that we think, all the actions that we perform are controlled by this heart. And that's why this heart must be pure. It does not mean that it will never have anything, you know, wrong with it. That it's not going to be uh, have a little dirt sometimes, and you know, because of things that we say that we shouldn't say, we, that we don't mean to say, we don't want to say. Paul said that things that I would do, I don't do. Things that I should do, I, I mean, some things that I should do, vice versa. Anyway, he says that sometimes there are things that I want to do that I don't do, and then there's things I don't want to do that I, I go ahead and do, things that are, are not right. And so that's the way it is with us. So what does it mean to be pure? Uh, actually, uh, in the footnotes, if you look in, in chapter 5 in, in Matthew and verse 8, it says it's uh, sincere in that place. It means to be clean. It means to be free of contaminants. It means that we're free of things that defile us. We, we don't want to be dirty inside, but it doesn't mean perfection. And uh, we must have sincerity along with all this. We, it, and here's the thing. Uh, we, if, if we have this pure heart, we are no longer servants of sin. We're no longer servants of sin if we have a pure heart. And uh, if you look at uh, Romans chapter 6, six please, after, after Jesus, or, uh, Paul had said that uh, We've been, they've been baptized into his death, into Jesus' death, and that, uh, that they were that been in the likeness of his resurrection. And the new man, they put away the old man, the new man was, uh, came forth uh, after baptism. That verse six, 17, I believe it is, if you have, uh, chapter 6, verse 17, he said, But God be thanked that you were, you were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, and being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And also, if you will, in uh, looking uh, further here in uh, chapter 4 in Ephesians, please. There's a lot said in, in the New Testament about purity and about the pure heart and so on. In chapter 4 in Ephesians, in verse 22, please. Um, he says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then if we look at uh, chapter 5 in Ephesians, he says in verse 25, or 26 rather, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse. It's talking about the church, and we are the church, that he might sanctify us and cleanse us with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, uh, and that it would be, uh, should be holy and without blemish. The church as a whole. That's what Jesus wants. Also, uh, we, we, what, we, what must we do, what must I do, what must you do, to have a pure heart? That's very important. We, and remember that 
that everything that we know about God, and that is everything we know about what he, His law and what He wants us to do, we can see God in nature out here. We can see, we can see His handiwork. We can see His power. But that does not tell us His will toward us. Not one thing. And uh, there are those who, who, you know, they say they get revelation from above and all that, but they, they do not. That's, that's false. But so the only way we can know God's will, and, and we all in here, we, we, I hope we all recognize that, is through this New Testament. That's the only way. And so in the John chapter 3, uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus, and he, he recognized him, that he uh, was a rabbi. Uh, he said, we know that thou art a teacher, come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And then in verse 3, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he, shall, he cannot see the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so you see there must be a new birth here. In order to be pure, there must be a birth. No one can be pure outside of Christ. No one can be pure except they have this new birth that God says we must have. And then he goes on. and We looked at Romans chapter 6 a while ago, but let's go back and look at it again in uh, verse 3. And we'll see here that Paul is talking about this new birth here also. The same thing that, that Jesus was telling Nicodemus, which when he talked to Nicodemus, the kingdom had not come yet. The church had not been established yet. But he's saying when the kingdom comes, if you want to be right with God, if you want to be uh, in the kingdom, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. And the water talking about baptism, no doubt. And, and then here in Romans chapter 6, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And that's when he says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as uh, Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And here you have the new birth when you come up out of the water, just like he told Nicodemus. And then in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, please. This, I think this is a very, very, very important question, uh, scripture, in dealing with people who, who do not believe in, uh, that the Word of God has anything to do with our salvation, that we get salvation directly from God. But here we find, seeing ye have purified your soul, you've made your souls clean, you've purified your souls, and uh, in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and to unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now notice this, being born again, and here's a new birth again, uh, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So we are born again only when we hear this gospel, we study it, we learn it, and we obey it. And then we are purified when we obey the truth. When we obey that plan of salvation that, that, that Jesus told Nicodemus about, and the one that Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 6, when we do that, then we are purified, our souls are, and when you come up out of the water, I'm telling you, those of you here are already Christians, you, you can remember that time when you came up out of the water, 
And when you felt so clean, that was the cleanest you've ever been probably. When you came up out of the water from baptism, and ever since, there was not one spot, not one dirty spot on your soul. It's all gone. Now, let's continue. We've got to be in Christ. If you want to be pure, you've got to be in Christ. There's no way except for that. And, and, and the way you get into Christ, we already read Romans 6, 3, and 4, and 5. And, and Galatians 3, 27, we find that for as many as us have been baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. And so, now, what does it mean being in Christ? Uh, let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There you have the, the new birth again. Uh, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new in Christ. And, all right, in, in Acts chapter 2. Now, I'm not preaching a sermon on salvation here, but I just want to show you uh, where this leads up to. In Acts chapter 2, when the people on Pentecost want to know, men and brethren, what should we do? What should we do to be forgiven for, for all these sins we've committed? You know, we, we kill the Son of God. We, we put him to an open shame. We, we, we lied on, we, about him. We, we did all these terrible things to him and finally put him to death. What can we do? And they were told to repent and be baptized. All right. In verse 47, it says, And the Lord added those who were being saved to the church. And so, that's the same as being in Christ. Being in Christ is being in his church, in his body. And uh, we are all part of that body if you are a child of God if you've been baptized in Christ but also another thing is there's only two places that, that people can be in this life spiritually uh, you can be in Christ and have salvation or you be in the world and be lost in eternity that's the only two places you can be spiritually in 1 John chapter 1 he says love not the world Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And uh, when I was converted to Christ, to Jesus, and I became a Christian, then I was cleansed from my, all my sins. Every one of them. They were gone. And I hope all of you in this audience has, have, have experienced that, that you're in that, that situation. In 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 21, the like figure where to even baptism does also now save us. Now that I'm a Christian, I must remain pure. You see, that's just the beginning, isn't it? My heart must remain pure, and I must add to what I have. The faith that saved me when I was baptized into Christ, that same uh, degree of faith cannot continue. I must grow in faith. We've got to grow. And that's where a lot of people give up. They lose it. Because like the seed that was sown by the sower... Some of it, only some of it fell on good ground. Three-fourths of it fell on ground that did not produce. The thorny ground choked out. The, the, the stony ground didn't have root. And so on. 
And so we must continue to have this pure heart and, and add to what God, what we've already attained. Look, if you will, at, at 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm giving you scriptures that you all know. You've heard them over and over. You've read them over and over. I'm not telling you anything new, but, you know, Paul often reminded people of things that they already knew. And we, we, we can never, repetition, 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 that's where learning God's word and laid up in our hearts comes from. You know, David talked about laying his, his word up in his heart that he might not sin against him. And so we've got to remember it. But anyway, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Wherefore lay aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now, can you imagine a baby, you, you know, the most beautiful thing in the world is a newborn baby, although sometimes they're ugly. I mean, really, truly, this, this, I shouldn't have said this years ago, and Rick knows the family, but this lady, had a, they had their first baby, and she sent us a picture of it, and I shouldn't have done this, but I was kind of mean back then, and I said, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen, and it sort of offended her, but it was, it was all, you know, but a baby is beautiful, though, really, no matter what it looks like, it's beautiful, because its heart is pure, and uh, maybe it doesn't have hair, doesn't have teeth. Ricky probably remembers who that was. <laughs> but anyway, anyway uh, here's the thing. Uh, that baby, if it doesn't grow, uh, what's going to happen to it? It will die. If it doesn't have proper nourishment, it will die. It won't last long. The same thing is true with us and newborn babes in Christ. Uh, some people have, are still babes in Christ. When for the time they ought to be eating meat, strong meat, uh, they ought to practice things that, uh, that, uh, uh, that God teaches them to practice. They're not doing those. They should be teaching others. If they're not able to do that, they're still in need of milk. A baby cannot, a person cannot live on milk the whole life. My wife did a pretty good job of it. She, she does about three gallons a week, I think. I'm telling you the truth. Sweets and milk. That's Aunt B's diet, isn't it, girls? <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, most people, milk, you know, after a while it gets old, but, you know, that much of it. But, but anyway, I usually stop and get two, milk, two gallons at a time, and I drink uh, probably half a gallon, <laughs> four gallon a week, and she does the rest of that. But see, she needs some vegetables. She needs some meat. She won't eat meat. She quit that. She won't eat many vegetables now. But uh, anyway, she seems like she's doing pretty good. <laughs> What's you got? Anyway, uh, and then in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and the knowledge. And we're growing, he's talking about growing spiritually. And this is, this, is, this is to continue to keep our, ourselves, that heart, pure. To keep it pure. And how to do that? This, this, this is something, if we would all do this, our hearts would be pure. If we would focus on Jesus, our whole life, if it was built around Him. Like the law... He said, all the law and the prophets 
hinge around that great commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. Our lives today, everything we do out there, not just when we're in the church house, but everything we do out there when we're dealing with the public, when we're uh, at school, at work, in our dealings uh, in business, our finances, whatever it is, when you go and get your income tax done, tell the truth. You know, don't cheat on them. Because people do that. And I tell you, as a uh, Christian and as a... Um, uh, I worked in the automobile industry, body shop business for years. Uh, I've had people come to me, and I've had uh, even people who are members of the church, and they would uh, ask you to cheat for them, uh, cheat the insurance company. I, I, I remember this specifically. I told this one guy, I said, I don't think God would like that, would he? He said, well, no, I guess not. But he, he asked me to. That's not growing that's not being pure that's not having a pure heart if we would all focus he, he's 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 the center of our attention and everything we do whether it be uh, even our recreation or places we go the things we see the whatever what we read should be based upon what would jesus do and uh, what he teaches us we're told that, uh, you remember, uh, I know you all remember this in reading it, when, when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter wanted to come out and meet him and everything. And what did Peter do when he got out of the boat? He started walking on the water. But when the storm distracted him, what happened to Peter? He began to sink. And you know why he did? Because he took his eye off of Jesus. That's not the only time he did that. You remember when, the, when they came in the, in the Gethsemane, that angry mob came and took him, and, and the, the Judas was with him, betrayed him, and they took Jesus to be crucified. And, and before they did, Peter pulled the sword out and cut the Malchus's ear off. And Jesus told him, "Put up the sword." And he healed. He, you know, he actually healed the man, put the ear back on. And so they took Jesus away to the high priest's palace to be tried, if you want to call it that mock trial and what did Peter do then he followed him afar off he stayed back it says he followed him afar off he took his eyes off of him he, let, he lost sight of him and then he got to the point if you remember once he took his eyes off of Jesus he began to deny him he cursed and he swore and he swore before that I will never do this you remember that Jesus said, you, you, you'll deny me three times. He said, I will never. Though all the others will, will leave you or whatever, I will never do that. And it happened. And then if you remember when that cock crowed the last time, uh, Jesus looked at him and, he went, and Peter went up and wept bitterly. And so in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, there, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, I believe that's what he puts it, by the, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, your physical bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And notice this, and be not 
conform to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, your mind, your heart, or whatever, there, see, that ye may, ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our physical bodies, uh, they're very weak sometimes. They're very vulnerable. But they are to be used as a sacrifice to God and to Jesus. That's what I'm saying. We need to keep our minds focused completely on Him. And whatever decision we make in life needs to be made for Him. And, 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 and so we need to deny ourselves. We need to take up our crosses daily and follow Him. And uh, know the Scriptures. Know the Scriptures because... Remember, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lived about it forever. We've got to know the scripture in order to be able to be born by the word of God, in order to live by the word of God, then, after you're born again. And uh, also, in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 in the Old Testament, God said there through the prophet, he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And he's talking about the lack of knowledge of God's word back then. And so people today are destroyed for the, because they, they don't have much knowledge in God's book. I remember a time when people, years many, many years ago, they referred to members of the church sometimes as walking Bibles. Some of you older people can, probably can remember that. I've not heard that much lately. But uh, if you wanted to uh, have a conversation with somebody who was a member of the Church of Christ uh, about st- biblical things, you better be prepared. You know, You better know what you're talking about. And uh, I don't think it's so much so now as it used to be. But it should be that way, brethren. We should, we should all have his word laid up in our hearts and be ready. If anybody asks us for a reason of the hope that's in us, we should always be ready to tell them, you know, and not say, well, I don't know about that. Well, you know, uh, some things we don't know. We, 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 no matter how much you study, uh, you still will have to say, well, I'll, I'll have to look into that. I'm not, I'm, you know, that's the best thing to do. If you don't know it, say, I don't know it. And don't tell them anything. You know, so I've seen some people, they've got to tell you something. They can't admit that I'm, I don't know. But we can't know everything. But anyway, know the scriptures. Romans 1, chapter 16 and 17. That's one of my favorite passages. I've quoted that, I don't know how many times. But Paul, um, he, was, he was very much so wanting to come to Rome to, see, to be with the brethren and so on. And he said that uh, he said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power of God unto salvation. Notice that it's the the power, not one of the powers. He says the power. That's all we have today. That's the only power that we have unto salvation today. The Word of God, not some feeling and not something that comes down from heaven miraculously, but it's the Word of God, because we're purified by it, and we grow by it. Remember that James uh, or. or 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. And so here he says, uh, for I'm now ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice this, for therein is a righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so Paul says, that's where it's at in the gospel. Because that's God's word speaking to us and telling us exactly what we need to do today. 
Anything that we, we need to know in life that has to do with our spiritual lives, it's found there. And anything basic that we need to know about our physical selves is found there. There are some things that we must follow. In James chapter 4, uh, let's see, I'm going to get too late here. I've got a few minutes. In James chapter 4, I didn't know if I had enough uh, notes here to last this long or not. I, I told Larry coming up, I said, you know, sometimes uh, I'll get up to speak and I cannot think of what I want to say. I just, I, It's just like I'm in a trance or something. I don't know why Rick wanted me to come back. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be here. But in, anyway, I, uh, in James chapter 4, and uh, verse 4 it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is the enmity of God? That's the enemy of God. He says, uh, Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world shall be the enemy of God. Now look over in verse uh, 7, and it says, here, here are some rules to follow to, to have a pure heart. Number one, he says, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourself. Give yourself over to God. Your whole being. And then he says, resist the devil. What did Jesus do in Matthew 4? He resisted the devil. And, he, and remember, he used scripture. The word of God. It's so important. He says, if you will resist him, he will flee from you. There's too, there are too many people out there today in the church even who are not resisting him. Uh, I was telling Ricky recently about a, a congregation up there at home, they, they, uh, and their new preacher, um, they had like a question and answer session, and um, I guess the devil tempted the old boy. And uh, so someone asked the question, uh, can we pray to Jesus? Okay, pray to Jesus. Well, you, you folks all know that. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Well, this guy said Yes. So he's the new preacher. The elders uh, had to get up, I guess, one of them, and, and, and say, you know, that's not the way it is. And I think one of the elders even said, well, out of here, he said, well, I'm kind of neutral on that right now. But there's no neutrality on that. It's either right or it's wrong. And the fact of the matter is, if you ever heard anybody in the Church of Christ lead a prayer to Jesus, by Jesus, which is in heaven? No, we say, our Father, which is in heaven? And then we close that prayer, or somewhere along the way, we say, in Jesus' name, by his authority, we say that. He is our mediator, the mediator between us and, and the Father. And so these things are going on, and we've got to know the, the gospel. So resist the devil, it says, and he will flee from you. Then he says, draw nigh to God, and uh, he will draw nigh to you. So it takes something on our part in, uh, in, in talking about faith, uh, we have to work at having faith. It doesn't just come as a simple thing. Faith is called a work of God. And um, so we must, let's just read what I wanted to say here. In Hebrews chapter 11, I think it is. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 it said, without, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently. You see some effort on our part. And sometimes people don't want to put that effort forth. Uh, yeah, he says, but without faith, and, and he said, must them that diligently seek him. And so, so James says here in, in chapter 4, 
he says that uh, we, we're drawn out of God and, and he'll draw out of us. And then he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. We, use these, we can use these hands for good or we can use them for bad. That's our decision to make. God gives us the opportunity, the ability to do what we want to do. Now, we, if, we, if we make wrong decisions, then we suffer the consequences, don't we? At the end, we suffer. Sometimes we suffer on earth. The consequences of things that we do, we suffer on earth even, you know, uh, because we cause ourselves a lot of problems. But he says that cleanse your hands. Quit sinning. And he says purify your hearts. He's telling us as Christians to purify our hearts. Make your heart clean. And then he says, you double-minded. Now, we can't be double-minded in serving God. We can't be like the church at Laodicea. You remember that? It, Jesus said they're neither cold nor hot. But because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You can't have it both ways. See, that's what I was talking earlier. I said we, 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 everything we do in life must be controlled by what Jesus says. He must be the focus constantly of our li- in our lives. And then he goes on to say in, in, in verse 9 here, he says, be afflicted, that is be troubled. If we have sin in our life, we must be troubled about that. David, when he, you know, he, he, he committed an awful sin, didn't he? He, he did three or four things right there together. He, he committed adultery, he lied, and he murdered. Tried to cover it up. And then when he, he was confronted with it, he, he did repent of it, and he confessed it. And he was sorry. He mourned. He mourned. And that's what God says we're to do. He said, you be afflicted because of your sin, and you mourn about it. And uh, he says, uh, and weep. It takes weeping sometimes. And let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. There's no joy. We should have no joy in any sin that we commit or anybody else. Sin, it, sin a lot of sin is, is fun. It can be fun. That's why people are tempted to do it. If sin was not fun, if, 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 you know, why would anyone be tempted to do it? If it wasn't enjoyable, if it didn't, if it didn't, didn't satisfy the lust of the flesh, why would we do something wrong? It'd be easy, wouldn't it? But we're tempted. And Jesus was tempted in all ways such as we are, and yet not one time did he sin. That's not to say that we can go without sin. We, we can't. And then he goes on to say, humble yourselves, and that's one of the most important things is humility. And humility is something that's a characteristic of little children. And Jesus taught his apostles, his disciples, a lesson on humility by using a little child, little children. And he said, except you humble yourselves and become as little children, you shall not. You won't be in the kingdom of heaven. You won't be there. And you won't see God because your heart's not pure. And uh, he says, humble yourselves in sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He'll lift you up out of the earth, not from the earth, but the world, and uh, from the, the evil things that are in the world. 
and uh, someday we'll be with him. And another thing he says, speak, speak not evil of one another, brethren. That's something we've got to be careful for. So resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. So resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Humble yourself and all these things. Mourn. Cleanse your hands. And do all these things. And uh, then God will be with us. And here's another thing, brethren. If my heart's pure, I will practice pure religion. I will practice pure religion. And what is pure religion? Well, have you ever heard people say so-and-so got religion? I've heard that I don't know how many times. So-and-so got religion. There's no such thing. Religion is something you do. I do religion. Do again. It means do again. To redo. So in James chapter 1, in verse 25, he says, Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his, in his deed. Now look. He says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, this he but deceiveth himself, his own self, his own heart. So you can deceive your heart too. Your heart can be deceived. He said, this man's religion is vain. It's empty. It's no good. That's no good to anybody. Pure religion. Pure religion. And undefiled before God and the Father is this. Do visit the fatherless and widows in their troubles, their affliction, and keep yourself unspotted from the world. Practice it. And um, I'll tell you something else. We're taught to lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. I'm not exactly sure what all that's talking about. It may be that some people are uh, tempted to do certain things that, that they're really tempted to do more so than others. I don't know. But whatever it is, he says, lay it aside. Get rid of it. We must come before the throne of grace, God's grace. That's very important. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. We must approach his throne on a regular basis. And uh, in doing that, in chapter 4, verse 15, he said, For we have not an high priest, talking about Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but it was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, notice that, boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So we need to approach that throne on a regular basis. And also, one more thing here. Uh, if, if we have a pure heart, we will love. In 1 Corinthians 13. Love is uh, uh, talking about the three, the, the, the miraculous gifts that people ha- were able to have back then. And that uh, he named some of them. And he said, but love is more important than everything. These things will cease. They will end. They won't last Love will outlast all of them. If the heart is pure, there's no doubt the life will be pure. The heart's got to be pure first. This this evening, and I didn't mean to to, to speak this long because usually about twenty or thirty minutes is 
all the attention you can get to people. But, but anyway, tonight, if you're, if you're not pure in heart, if you're not a Christian, you're sure not. I don't know who in here are Christians and who are not. I don't know. Uh, hope all of you are. Hope everyone has obeyed the gospel of Christ. But if you hadn't, I want you to think about something. Why would you want to leave here tonight in a lost state knowing that you will never be able to see God if you were to die? Why would you leave here knowing that I can't see God? And you can only see God if your heart is pure. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you're willing to repent of your sins and then confess His name before men, women, whoever, and then be buried with Him in baptism into death and come up out of the water to walk in newness of life, whatever happens to you at that moment after you come up out of the water, it doesn't matter. You're going to see God. You as a Christian, if you have done that, and your heart has become filthy and dirty because of sin that you've... And Jesus is no longer the master of your life. Then you need to do some repenting, confessing, and um, so you'll be back where you were again. And your heart will be pure. You need to respond to the invitation. Please do so as we stand and sing.